are you living your dream right now? Thanks to um, Manahan Street Band and uh, extraordinaries mm -hmm. who believed in me and gave me an opportunity. It's a uh, very late coming, but I thank God that they found me, that I, I can come forward and open up my heart and let them now know who I am as an artist. So you are living your dream right now? I'm living it, just, just starting to get just, into it. Just starting getting into yes. it. Um, you have many memories, of course, because you, well, you already have a long life behind you. Hopefully you still have many years to come. The last few years, um, is there one story or one thing that people told you about hearing your music well, that really well, made a big impact? Yes, they told me to say I'm a very honest person and they can feel the hurt and the pain and the joy in my music. And they thank me for helping them to come forward to live their dreams. Um, to do things that they want to do. Some people say they thought it was too old to come forward to live their dreams. And I always told them, you know, he's got to, Moses was an old man when he found himself, so it's never too late to live your dreams. What kept you going all those years? What kept me going is my spiritual life. Yeah. And when I had nothing to turn to, my spiritual life always kept me strong. And are there certain rituals that you have that you pray each night or what did you do? Oh, I thank God don't hurt me too much to me. That's why I got this little last chance in my music. I pray a lot. You know, I thank God for strength, wisdom, that I can understand other human beings even when they do me wrong or hurt me when they know that they're wrong. Because my mother always say, forgive them. Revision is God, not of yours. So you know they're doing you wrong. Look them in the eye and let them know that you know what they're doing. But forgive them and walk away. Is your mom still living? She's still living. She's now, matter of fact, she's under my care. I take care of her. She's 89 years old. 89? Yes. Yeah, because um, you were raised by your grandmother when you were young? My grandmother raised me until I got about eight years old, seven to eight years old. And then I came. My mother wanted me to know her kids because she came to Florida and got us from my grandmother. My grandmother did not want her to come, want us to come back. She wanted to stay with her. But my mother said she wanted to get to know her kids and she wanted us back with her. So I stayed with my mother until I was about 14 and then I was on my own. Why, why were you raised by your grandmother? Why did your mother leave to New York? Because my mother didn't. She was a beautiful lady and wild and running around. She had a lot of, she was a beautiful lady, a lot of men liked her. And she just was yeah. seeking her own dreams of what she wanted to do. And uh, when you came back to her, uh, uh, when you were eight until 14, was it hard because, well, you ran it was, away? It was very hard because I felt that I was like the black sheep of the family. And I used to always get whippings for something I didn't do. By her? By my mom. And she said, I believe, she did what she did, what she did the best of her ability of doing it. But I just got tired of being, getting the whipping. I ain't gonna say that was a all good child. Every child do something bad once in a while. And when I got 14 years old, I just said, if I'm not wanted, I'm gone. 
and I left. Was there one thing that tri triggered you to leave? One thing that happened? I would not like to give that information out. Okay. Of course. Uh, then you lived on the street for a few years? I lived in the streets most of my life. Most of my adult, uh, um, as a, a boy, young boy, 14. What got me out of the streets when I went to Job Corps? Job Corps really helped me get it. I turned 16 years old. Why did you Why did you decide to go to Job Corps? Did because, you know it? Because I was living in the streets, living in the subway trains, living anywhere I can live at. Um, being abused by so many things. Uh, and I saw myself going down. Everybody was that time was using drugs, shooting up, getting high. And I was afraid of needles. And through my faith in God, I just kept me afraid of needles. So I never indulged to any drugs. How did you know Job Corps? Uh, someone told me about it. And uh, I went to the center. They told me about Job Corps. They'll take you out of the streets, they'll send you away and to learn a trade. And I took up cooking mm -hmm. and I was doing um, music on the side. And those things that I, they gave me a chance to do something I love to do, that was music. And I signed up for it. And at that time, I couldn't go because I was underage at 16 years old. And my mother had to sign for me to go to Job Corps. And she was angry at me, so she wouldn't sign. So um, my sister forged her name and signed for me to go to Job Corps. And I was Job Corps. When I first got there, I didn't like it. I was afraid being um, around strange people, new people I didn't know. I always like was more by myself. I was homeless. I was by myself. Yeah. And I'm now I'm around a group of people. So, um, and I was afraid, and I was like in a neighborhood where it's dominantly black, and I'm now in a neighborhood with all different racial peoples. And so I had to adapt to that and learn how to, to know them. What is the best thing you learned over there? Job got to go cooking, and I graduated from being a cook. And uh, then I got me a, a band, I had a band in Job Corps, and that's what really made me like it and everybody was starting to be friendly toward me. They was always friendly toward me, but I was wondering why they being too friendly toward me, because in the hood, in the ghettos, everybody ain't friendly to you. When they're friendly, they want something from you. But in Jabco, everybody just want to be friends. And that was a new world to me. How, how, how much time did it take you to get adjusted is that people who do friendly actually mean friendly? I wanted to, when I got in Jabco, uh, first, they sent me to uh, Virginia, Kimbo. There's a job called Kimbo in Virginia. And I liked it that. I was scared because, you know, a, a bunk with a lot of different people. And then I stayed there for about six months. And then they sent me to uh, Kimbo, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was about 2,000 people. And I couldn't adjust to that. I was more afraid. So I asked for a transfer, and then they sent me to um, Bahava, Maine. And a um, guy we called Doc, he saw how afraid I was, so he took me on this wing to try to get me used to Job Corps, took me out on this lobster boat, and 
been nice to me, showed me nice things, and took me to his own personal home and and introduced to his wife, his kids, and it made me like Job Corps. Okay. Then I started really liking it. Then um, I wanted to stay. I stayed the, the whole term that they gave me. It was about a year and a half, and then I graduated as a Job Corps. I graduated, I got my cooking degree from there. And I got me a neighborhood, I had a band and a job corps, but all the band members got drafted into the Vietnam War, so we lost contact. So did, they, did they return from the Vietnam War? Or? Uh, we had changed address when we get our job corps, we was going to continue the band and go forward, because I used to, when I was in job corps, I used to go all over job corps, singing for the, the job corps. And uh, everybody loved me there. Okay. But when everybody got Drafted. I was the only one that get drafted in there when I was in Job Corps. But why? Why didn't you decide well to form another band then? Maybe afterwards. I, when I came out of Job Corps, I was um, went to stay with my sister, and then Job Corps promised me a job when I got out of Job Corps, and that was at our Wasake uh, Development Center for Disturbed uh, Peoples cook for them. And so they gave me a job upstate New York at a place called Watsake. And I got a job there cooking for 3,500 people a day. And when I went in the kitchen, I said, I can't do this because it's a big, huge kitchen cooking for 3,500 people a day. We didn't have no pots. We had these big old thing where you stir it. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn that. And once I learned that and got the fundamentals of it, but you like cooking for anybody. Yeah, so, so, so you didn't pursue another band or? Then I got eventually on the side, I got me another band of a job called uh, Up in um, Wasek. I started going around singing in these small clubs, yeah. doing shows. Then I worked at Wasek for nine years and working with mentally disturbed people and watching all the different deformed and all the different kind of ways, it started making a toll on me. I couldn't take it. And, uh, because of the people? Yes, it was just too much. You're looking at all of these 3,500 people, misformed, mis misdisturbed, and every kind of thing. Then on, on, on the girls' side, they have 4,000 girls over there, and they're all disturbed. And I'm living on the grounds with them. and, and uh, just couldn't take it no more. No? And I said, let me go for my music. And then they had some of them uh, walk, working in the kitchen with me. And then one time I saw this little, this guy, he was about 20 years old. And I said, what are you doing here? You look very all right to me. And the stories that they tells me when I was in job called, wow. It was some sad stories and some stories that really touch it you to your heart. Yeah. Is there one story you can share? He told me one story. I asked him why you in job, or why you in this um, Metropolitan State Hospital, and he told me that uh, the reason why he's here because his father used to beat on his mother, and he told his father stop beating on his mother, and then his mother one day he came home. And the father was beaten on his mother's head on the floor and there was blood. And he went and grabbed a gun and shot his father. So they asked him to plead insane so they'd keep him 
not put him in jail, not let him put him down. And what they did, they gave him drugs to keep him drugged up. But I knew that beyond that drug, he was a small little kid. And he told me what happened. And there's a lot of other stories that I've heard. What does this story tell you? What it tells me, a lot of people's in jail for no reason. And a lot of people's supposed to be in jail. And because I know my past life story, things that I've been through, I've been in, in jail some time for no reason at all. I know how I feel to go in jail, and you know you did no harm. And it's when you got no, no financials, nobody to recognize you, who you can run to and tell it to, you ain't got nothing. Why were you sent to jail a few times? Um, I was living in California, and it's a story a little short, longer. I was in California, and I was, um, um, I had a stereo. Um, this guy wanted to buy my stereo. And I said, okay. He said, um, I knew the guy because he stayed in the same hotel I live in. I said, okay. It was an honest white guy. And he said, I pay you just uh, for the stereo. That Friday would he get paid? I said, okay. I gave it to him. Then one day I was coming home from work as a cook. I was stressed out on the job. And when I get stressed out of my, my relaxation, I get in my car, go to the beach, and sit at the beach all day and just exhaust myself. So he was, he saw me pulling and changing clothes. He said, Charles, uh, can I ride with you? I said, where you going? I said, I'm going to the beach. I said, no, I just want to be alone today. He said, just let me go with you. You know, I'm just going to the beach and I go my way, you go your way. I said, okay, you can come with me. But I said, no, I know this guy was a, like to drink a lot. I said, now if you drink it in my car, please, no drinking. When you get to the beach, you do what you want to do. So he got in, in the car, and um, we driving to the beach, and I stopped for the red light. When I stopped for the red light, he pulled out a bottle of liquor and started drinking, but it's a police that's standing around the corner. I said, man, what are you doing? I'm already stressed out. So I turned the car back around, said, get out. So when I did that, he said, okay, you want to act that way? He said, I gonna give you the money for your stereo. And I said, huh, you gonna give me my money. And so I said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call the police first. And the police give me my stereo. I'm gonna go in your room and take my stereo. So I did that. And uh, the police came when we got in a little distribution. Police came, so uh, he came after me with a weapon. And someone threw a weapon to me, and I sliced him on his hand. So I went to jail, and I stayed in jail 30 days. Okay. But he didn't spoke the truth. The police came to him. We both was hurt, but the police said, well, I'm taking you in. So he took me in jail. I stayed in jail 30 days. And then I got out, and they put, give me three years probation. And I stayed on three years probation. Then uh, another story, I was working at um, um, Sausalito Sweet Shop. Now this question is on my record today, and I don't like that because I did no wrong on this job. I was doing fast food, you know, hamburgers. We do the nice thick hamburgers, homemade hamburgers. So I'm so good at my job, so what I did, I made three pans of hamburgers ready to go on the drill. 
Okay, this waitress asked me for a medium rare burgers. Now, I know how to do this so well. I put 10 burgers on the drill. When I turn those 10, I put another 10 on. When I turn those 10, I put another 10 on. So the first one will be well done. The first 10, the next one will be medium. Another one will be rare. So when I blanched my french fries ready to go. So when the crowd started coming in, I had them so fast. So this lady did not like what I did. She took the burger, she said, I don't like this, give me another one. So I gave her three burgers. She didn't like them, so I got a little angry. I took the burger, went to you and said, excuse me, sir, anything wrong with this burger? He said, I was just getting ready to leave. I said, are you happy? He said, thank you very much. So the lady came, you don't come out here and bother my customers like this. I said, madam, if you just do your job and start making my job so difficult, I wouldn't have to go through all these changes. She said, oh, you're just alike. That's what she said to me. I said, it takes one to know one. She said, I'll fix you. I didn't know what she was talking about. I came to work the next day doing my same setup. This guy came in the kitchen, a big guy, 200-something pounds, picked me up, threw me against a wall, knocked me out cold. I fell on the floor. Then I snapped back. I said, what's wrong with you? And he grabbed me. And I said, man, listen to my side of the story. You messing with my old lady? And I said, man, come on. And he grabbed me up. He took me and he pushed me over the grill. And I felt the heat coming to my back. And I'm, he's too big for me to get away. So I grabbed the knife and I went, boom. But I didn't cut him. I cut to his shirt and he cut me loose. Then he went and grabbed a check. He said, a chair, he said, I'm gonna bust your brains up. So I said, Lord, I can't let this man do this. So I slipped. When I slipped, I fell on the floor. He started beating me in the face. And I looked under the, the, free, the freezer, and I saw this pick fork, and I grabbed the pick fork. He jumped off me. Police and came and came and put the gun on my head and said, you move again, you're dead. I said, man, this guy, I don't want to hear what you got to say. I went in jail, stayed in jail, about two months, three months, and they let him go. And it's on my record, how they put it in the paper, uh, black little guy came in jail with a deadly weapon to harmly hurt someone. It wasn't true. I was working there. And it's only one lady stand up for me. She said, Old lady, she said, that boy did nothing wrong. And they told her to shut up on her business. And I stayed in jail. I got probation, three years probation off there. What do these two stories, what, what did they do to you? Well, it scarred my heart for the rest of my life. I couldn't get a good, decent job no more. It was on my record. Every time they look at my record, I went to, to work at Bank of America. They said you had a uh, assault charge against you. They, it stopped me from getting jobs. So what I did, I learned to be a handyman where I worked with somebody that paid me money under the table to make me survive. How old were you when this happened? I was about 31, 32. Because a few years later, I think your, your mom asked you to come, to come home again. Yeah, because um, my mom saw that my job, I, did, I worked them 17 years and never missed a day, but three days in the, out of the, the whole 17 years.
And my job started bothering me. And my mom said, son, come home, let me know you. You're not coming home to a stranger. She said, son, I know what you're going through. Come on. I came home. I got very sick. I wanted to leave the road. I noticed that when I got home, my brother had to come meet me to help me drive because I was so sick. And I got in the bed. My mother told my sister, say, Charles is home. And my sister reached over to hug me. She said, Mother, Charles is sick. He's burning up. And I saw myself leaving this room. I had gave up. When you're leaving this room, you go to a tunnel. So peaceful. The body just don't want to fight no more. And mother said, no, son, snap out of that. Mother, just leave me alone. Let me sleep. They called Amalabs, took me to Woodhull. They put me in isolation, uh, gave me penicillin. I'm totally allergic to penicillin. I was going out of this room. My brother came there and looked over there and saw me. My brother said, Charles, he said, if you don't want to live for yourself, please, brother, live for me. He said, Charles, I love you, brother. You're my heart. I said, Joseph. I said, Joe, I fight. And Joseph got very angry. Joseph says, you guys, it's not taking care of my brother. Just because he only have no medicine, no medical hospitalization to take care of him. Joseph says, I'm a dispatcher for the city. And I'm an income tax broker. He can use my insurance. He said, no better yet. If anything should happen to my brother, I will hold y'all fully responsible. And if this city of New York don't do nothing about it, he said, then I'm going to the street ghetto. And they took me out of that hospital. And they took me to Woodhall. I mean, to... Beth Israel, and Beth Israel said, this guy is full of penicillin, his body's fighting, and his luck, he's still alive. And they said, son, we're gonna have to put you on ice because we can't break your fever. And we're gonna have to do a spinal tap on you to find out why your fever won't break. the most painful thing I ever felt in my life. And one day, they did four spinal taps on me. And I was like, wow. I said, God, 
Let me live or call me home. I'm tired of suffering. This world, like my mom says, says, son, this world is not our home. Just be encouraged. Stay strong. Show the world through your pain, your love. Don't change your love, because God sees everything. And that's what I've been doing. That's what my faith, my love of God kept me strong through all my trials and tribulations. I ain't telling you half of them. Some things I just can't speak. This album, you, you say love. Um, you were saying you are, a, this album is called Victim of Love. Excuse uh, me? This album is called Victim of Love. Yes. <coughs> um, Victim of Love, well, there's a line. I woke up this morning, I felt your love beside me. Is this the love of God or maybe some or someone else? or? I woke up this morning, I felt your love deep inside deep my inside, soul. Inside, so, so, yeah. It's just that on this planet, I have never found true love, honesty, pureness from the heart. They always want something from me. They don't want my depths of my soul. So my love is always on God. I feel that what God got in store for me, when I get it, no man can take it from me no more. So my love for God is 101%. Victor, my love, did you, what is for you the, the, the story behind that song? Because you named the album after that, that, that song? What is for you? The uh, Tom. Tom Bennett uh, gave the name to the album, and um, I just allowed it to, uh, to happen because he felt that it would be the right thing for that, so it's okay. Do, do you write your own lyrics, or do you talk about Yes, it? I write my own lyrics, and then um, Tom Bennett helped me with some time my spelling, because mm -hmm. every time we write music, we all get together, and we just, Cavalier it together, and then like with some things that I, I can't really spell yeah. because my education happened, wasn't that great because of my background coming from a, a rugged realm and I had a chance to get a truly education. Mm -hmm. But everything I did learn, I learned on my own. So, uh, well, the victim of love is like, like you were saying, is is about your love for God. Yes, and I'm truly been a victim of love. I love deeply, and the world take that from me. Okay. A lot of my coming up, my childhood, I never had a childhood. I always been a person trying to survive, to keep a roof over my head, some place to live, trying to not live in the streets, trying to not living in the subway trains when I be in subway train and don't have nowhere to go. Police come there and knock the thing real hard and just stun to me. And I get up and run to the next train, go to sleep. Man, it's cold outside. I go sneak in people's billing, run behind the boiler where it's warm at to keep warm. Um, 
I think we better leave this alone. We're getting too deep. Yeah. <laughs> this this song is, uh, I mean, this album music-wise uh, is more psychedelic soul. Is it done? Yes, it's gonna, done on gonna, purpose. Or? It's like me and Tom. Tom like rock, and I'm soul. So I combine them together. I do both of them to show him that I can do what he want me to do and make it really that everybody would like to hear it. Yeah. So this this was done on purpose. Yes. This new sound. Yes. Okay. Um, how important is it for you? It's two years since your uh, since your debut album. Now a new album. Um, yeah. If you compare the recording process of the first album and this album, what has changed for you? The first album was really dark, from a lot of deepness inside of me. That was hard to find, to sing the lyrics, but it's had to start from the bottom in me, mm -hmm. to come out of me. And now I begin to be able that I can sing it and talk it. Before I couldn't do that, I would just take any of James Brown's song that was joyful and get on the scream and holler and just have fun with it. But now, the world gave me a chance to let me know I have a voice. Now I got to go inside the deepness and bring it out. Is it hard for you? It's very it must hard. Be hard yeah. Very hard. Yes. But. Um, But why do you do it? Why do you want to do it? Why? why I want is to if I can use me as an instrument to show the world. I know a lot of you out there going through a lot of deep pain that I've been through, yeah. and especially in in the in the hoods, uh, in the ghettos. I want you to know that life is hard, but if you stay humble, righteousness. And dig deep in your soul and take God with you. You'll find something one day. There's one inst instrumental song on the album, um, Dusty Blue. That's something that Tom did, and that's one of his creations that uh, totally he just wanted to do. Okay. Uh, do you have a personal favorite, f favorite on the album? My favorite is Confusion. And and I love um, what is that? Um, that how long? Um, uh, crying in the chapel. And why those two songs? Because they have that feeling that you just feel it in your heart, and the deepness of that is something that I must have been experienced to. And what? What does confusion or confusion mean? Just imagine you totally positive. You have all the honesty and true in you. And everybody trying to come and put confusion in your brains. Trying to make you not think the way you're feeling in your heart and soul. And every time you try to talk it, they want to put confusion, try to mix it up in your brains. That's where confusion comes from. But I think the last few years you didn't have many confusion anymore, right? Huh? The last few years have been well, less confusion, right? It's less confusion, yeah. but you still, when you walk in, coming in the light where everybody can hit at your soul, you, it's a lot of confusion. That's right? true, yeah. And crying in the chapel? 
Crowning in the chapel is something that I just feel I can't express that to you. How important is it for you now to, well, to support your mom? My mom deserved love. I got to know some of her past. She talks to me and tells me. The lady been hurt beyond hurt. That's why I forgive her, and she forgive me. That's why I did you in the wrong, Mom. Forgive me. Listen, men, and she's too old to fight. Yeah. You can't go back and look at the past, what she did in the past. Okay. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. You brought the best out of me. Yes? Yeah. A lot of touching moments. 